0: We're not in the great outdoors. We're thinking about it. Kender Outdoors. Come on into the camp house and make yourself at home. Presented to you by Patriot Mobile. America's only Christian conservative wireless provider.
1: Welcome back to the Bermuda Triangle, of good old boy. Denton Bowie in Alvord, Texas, the gateway to the grasslands. Where you never know when a fishing trip or a deer hunt or a pig hunt is going to break out. It's a great place to be, and we're smack dab in the middle of it all. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder. Welcome to the camp house at Kinder Outdoors, presented by Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Isn't that cool? Front door to the camp house is brought to you by Calming Care from the trusted name Purina. If your dog's a bit out of control, talks too much, and is way too active, you might want to check into Calming Care. It very gently settles the over... Barker over jumper over time. Calming care. Learn more at kinderoutdoors.com. It's been downright chilly around here this week. We've had temperatures in the single digits most nights this past week. For several days, we never got above the freezing mark. Some folks got a little snow. That was fun. And for those of you listening to us further north, Buffalo, I saw that football game. You guys got pounded. Frigid temperatures all across the middle, southeastern, and northeastern United States. Good to keep a fireplace and a hot pot of coffee handy. Grab your coffee and settle in with us here in this camphouse at Kinder Outdoors today because, hey, I hope you brought your long johns. We're headed for Alaska. I want you guys to meet dear research biologist Dan Ecker with Alaska Fish and Game. Dan, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. It's really good to have you on the show. Thanks for spending the time with us today.
2: Yeah, well, thanks for having me on your show, Billy. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. You betcha. I think what you do is going to be of great interest to uh, to my listenership. A lot of us hunt deer. A lot of us call deer or try to, you know, rattle up a buck or, or sometimes use mouth calls to call deer. You take it to a whole other level, though, with what you do, and I want to talk about that on the show today, how you actually use deer calls uh, to, to and very successfully uh, to bring deer in for capture and research purposes. Uh, but first of all, let's get to know you a little bit. Where were you? You're not born and raised in Alaska, are you?
2: Uh, no, I'm not, like a lot of folks in Alaska. I'm a, I'm a transplant from northwestern Montana. I grew up in Kalispell, and then ended up uh, going to college in Missoula, and they have a really great wildlife biology program there at the University of Montana. So I got my undergraduate degree there, and then I went on to a master's degree studying elk calf mortality and and um, elk survival, and then about you know did a number of other projects, and then about three years. After just working as a research associate at the University of Montana, I finally kind of moved out to Juneau on a whim and and got this deer biology job here. And I've been in Juneau now for about six years since 2018.
1: Excellent. Enjoy a cup of coffee and wait on us, Dan. We're going to be back. We'll get a little more perspective about exactly where in Alaska you are and what exactly you do with those deer calls.
0: This is a Kinder Outdoors Conservation Minute, a focus on people that make a difference.
3: At the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation, we're really happy to have more than 50,000 kids in school classrooms learning about archery, fishing, boating, and other outdoor skills each year. We're thrilled that we have grown to schools across the United States and continue to grow. We're humbled that teaching wildlife conservation to our future generations have been so eagerly accepted by more than a quarter million kids so far. Contact me, Scott McClure. I'm at gootf.com. That's scott at gootf.com.
0: Preserving what we love and educating the next generation every day. To learn more, visit us at kinderoutdoors.com.
1: Here in Texas, this is the final weekend of Doze and spikes. So if you have not yet uh, put that venison in the freezer, you got today. You got tomorrow, Sunday, and then that's it until the fall, unless you are fortunate to hunt on an MLD property, a managed property. This is also your final weekend in Iowa. Their final deer seasons are now open the population management hunt, January antlerless season, and the excess tag, January antlerless season. Both seasons run through tomorrow, Sunday, January 21. Randy Zellers with Arkansas Fish and Game sent me a note. Hey, Billy, tell everybody about that Arkansas Big Buck Classic coming up January 26, 27, 28. Next weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at the Arkansas State Fairgrounds in Little Rock, the Arkansas Game and Fish Foundation Kid Zone is there. Catch a trout, shoot a bow, enjoy the BB gun range. There's a lot to do next weekend in Little Rock. Oh my word, would you look at the crappie that Shelly Montana caught. She built the jig herself. Homemade. Lake Tewakonee. Great big white crappie, 2.85 pounds. That's a bigot. Bragging board at kinderoutdoors.com. This corner of the camphouse brought to you by Fortiflora, America's number one canine probiotic. I first heard about Patriot Mobile from a good friend of mine, a guy I go to church with, a guy that was in law enforcement, a police officer uh, for a lot of years. And it got my attention when he told me, hey, Billy, these guys at Patriot Mobile are America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. I said, Rich, I love that, but my livelihood relies on great cell service. He said, no worries. They offer broad coverage of dependable nationwide 4G and 5G, with exceptional support. Talk to a human being when you call. And a portion of every dollar that they earn fights for First Amendment rights, religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment rights, sanctity of life, help for our veterans and first responders, all the stuff I like. Patriot Mobile. Make the switch. Use the promo code KINDER, like my last name, K-I-N-D-E-R, and get free activation.
4: The Quail Coalition has drawn the line. Quail decline stops here. South and West Texas and Western Oklahoma are the last strong natural regions for wild bobwhite quail. We've all watched the drastic decline across the southern states of the iconic bobwhite. The Quail Coalition has vowed to do all within human power to not only stop quail decline, but build a future where the quail will flourish across all of its original habitat. If true quail conservation is important to you, please visit quailcoalition.org. Consider a membership, attend one of our fundraising banquets, and please consider starting a chapter in your home state. Together, let's sustain and restore huntable wild quail populations. Let's encourage and educate interested youth Let's keep the most brilliant quail mines on earth working on a bright future for our quails. The first step, visit our website, quailcoalition.org.
1: Weatherford Truck Equipment has been supplying premium truck accessories and equipment since 1997. Chip Knees and the crew at Weatherford Truck Equipment are pros that can totally equip your farm, work, or town truck to totally suit your needs flatbeds, grill guards, bumpers bed covers, toolboxes hitches, running boards or any custom fabrication that you can scheme up for your truck Weatherford Truck Equipment is located at 2620 Ranger Highway in Weatherford, Texas just 20 minutes west of Fort Worth visit online at weatherfordtruck.com and take a look at the exceptional quality in our truck accessories and customized metal fabrication ranch truck, service truck special purpose truck, it's all at Weatherford Truck Equipment. Contact Chip and set up an appointment to talk over your truck accessory or custom fabrication needs. Weatherford Truck Equipment 2620 Ranger Highway in Weatherford, Ag Texas. The name itself says trust, honesty, strength, and tradition. Ag Texas has from the get-go been dedicated to the prosperity of agriculture and rural America. The Ag Texas family can help grow your herd or your operation. Give us a call and talk to Ag Texas pros about risk management in the form of crop insurance, protecting borrowed capital and savings. We specialize in everything from dairy cows to pecan trees and have the right financial tools and knowledge at Ag Texas to help you grow and grow safely. We can't tell you when it's going to rain again, but we can assure that your crop, your cows your family, and the family land are secure and protected no matter the storm or the dry spell. We are Agriculture at Ag Texas, and we look forward to visiting with you. Ag Texas is at agtexas.com and just down the road,
0: Patriot Mobile speaks loud and clear. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, parental rights, and sanctity of life. Patriot Mobile, proud partners with Kinder Outdoors.
1: Thanks for hanging around our campfire today at Kinder Outdoors, just outside of beautiful Alvord, Texas, gateway to the grasslands. And presented by Fortiflora, America's number one canine probiotic. Hey, you boys that run bird dogs you've still got plenty of time left deer season's over but the bird dogs roll on through the end of february in texas make sure you carry Flora along with you it settles the gi upset that a hard hunt can bring on Flora, keep it handy if you own a dog special guest on the show today is dan ecker dan is with alaska fishing game he is the deer research biologist in region one And uh, you're from Montana, Dan, originally, but you've now been up in Alaska, I think you told me, six years or so. That's enough time, I guess, to learn how to live without daylight, right?
4: (laughs) Well, sure, yeah.
2: It's, uh, you know, a bit of an adaptation for sure. You know, from western Montana, I was already sort of used to the cold, snowy winters. And I, I would say, actually, in Juneau here, we have a bit more you know, moderated temperatures because of the ocean. It doesn't get quite as cold as it would back in Montana. But certainly I think the light, you know, both too much of it and the lack of light are, you know, a serious adjustment here. You know, you have to have the blackout curtains in the summertime or, you know, you just won't be able to sleep. And then (laughs) just the opposite in the wintertime where, you know, some of the field work is really challenging that time of year where, you know, it doesn't get light till about 9 a.m., and then it's already getting dark about three uh, 3.30 p.m., and you need to start making your way out of the woods if you don't want to be out in the dark. So, yeah, I think the field work has helped uh, certainly be able to handle the winters a bit. We still get um, some nice um, sunny days, but I think it's certainly – And adaptation here, living in a coastal temperate rainforest where we just get incredible amounts of rain, too. Um, But, yeah, you know, we're not like Barrow, Alaska, or, you know, real far north, but we still get a pretty strong effect of the light here for sure. I would uh, think
1: so. Just something
2: you get used to, you know, as certainly the first couple years are difficult, and then, like any place, you just start to get more adjusted to it over time.
1: So you're on Mitkoff Island, if I'm pronouncing that uh, right. Uh, tell us, the, where is Mitkoff? Let us get our bearing. Yeah.
2: yeah, so Mitkoff is um, just one of the islands in in a, in a large chain of islands here known as the Alexander Archipelago. And so we're just uh, kind of north, you know, all these islands are just north of Vancouver, um, B.C. and Vancouver Island, B.C. and just off the coast, so you know, the capital cities here in Juneau, and I'm in Douglas right now, and where our kind of Region 1 headquarters is in Douglas here, so it's sort of considered West Juneau. There's just like a, um, a kind of little waterway between here and the island that's connected by a bridge. But then the study area down on Mitkoff Island, and you did pronounce that right, it's in the center part of the Island archipelago, so it's maybe about 150 miles south of me here, and there's really only one community there that's called Petersburg, Alaska, and it's a community of maybe 3,000, 3,500 people. And you know, there's a lot of fishing that goes on out here, and I definitely recommend making a trip there sometime for the for the salmon fishing. It also has some really good deer and moose hunting too. But um, yeah, there's just that one community on the one community on the island, and so yeah, it's kind of right in the center of um, the archipelago. And a lot of folks have heard of Q.U. Island. There's like a hunting uh, clothing and kind of pack brand Q.U. Most folks are aware of, and that island is just a, a couple islands over to the west where they have uh, world-class black bear hunting there on Q.U. So yeah, we're just sort of a bit northwest of Ketchikan and south of Juneau, kind of dead in the middle is where we have this deer study going on there on Mitkoff Island.
1: With you know you work for region one, uh, with Alaska fish and game, wildlife. I, I can only imagine the regions are massive. How how much how many square miles are in your research area?
2: Um in in my particular area, I'd have to have to convert this, but I'm. It's about 500 square kilometers. A lot of times we we work in uh, in kilometers. I'm trying to, I can convert that to miles. But you know, you're just talking a, a really vast areas. You know, we have these five management regions of Alaska, and and ours is considered uh, Southeast Alaska, and so yeah, just vast vast um, area and one thing is the out here it's the tongas national forest just to give you an idea that's the largest national forest in the united states it covers these these islands out here so it's just it's millions of acres of old growth forest you know dominated by hemlock and sitka spruce and so it's just really vast and it's really remote and so i think you know especially for hunters there's some really cool trips that you can do. You can rent these Forest Service cabins and, you know, go with a guy or guide or get out to these cabins and just just have a spectacular, you know, wildlife experience hunting and just um, some really remote areas. Though, for instance, in Juneau, there's no roads in or out of here. You have to come in by ferry or airplane, and so that's kind of interesting too. So that's how we get around is. We do have jet service on a number of the islands here where, you know, you could be from Seattle to Juneau, for instance, about two hours. And they call it the milk run, and it'll stop at all these little towns in southeast Alaska, a few of the different towns. Sitka is another place people might know about, too, which also has, you know, world, world-class Sitka blacktail deer hunting there.
1: Yeah, most those are the deer that you study, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Dan, from what you describe, it's just, absolutely gorgeous where you live and work mm-hmm.
2: yeah it really is and i think that's one of the big draws for the tourism industry here which is you know one of one of alaska's uh largest industries behind the whole fishing commercial fishing and you know we get these mega cruise ships that come to juneau and and they can drop as much as you know five to ten thousand passengers in the in the downtown area in the you know in the summertime it'll be really crowded. And this is one of the few places in the world that you can just drive to go see a glacier. And we have the Mendenhall (laughs) Glacier that's in the valley there. And so that's just kind of a cool thing. Like if you come and visit, you can also see tons of sea life. I've seen a lot of whales and and bald eagles especially but i i sort of joke like these bald eagles are sort of like white-tailed deer back in montana you know you've seen them <laughs> so many times you know maybe it's not that spectacular but um even though i still enjoy just watching the deer as a lot of people do yeah it just has uh you know it's a really rare place where the mountains meet the ocean you know it's at sea level here in Juneau, and some of the peaks even right around us here will go up to you know, 3,500 feet. So this is some very steep country as well. And it's got a bunch of glaciated valleys. We basically, in Juneau here, we live under a massive ice sheet. But I would say Southeast Alaska is one of the most beautiful places in the world and just a rare coastal ecosystem. And, uh, People, if they get a chance, should definitely try to come visit it. Um, There's a lot of good fishing, a lot of good hunting, of course, but just even to take a cruise or something like that and and come see it is worthwhile to do at least once in your life, I think.
1: Tell you what, we're going to have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to dart some deer or capture some deer, however you go about that, okay? You bet. What a fascinating life he lives. Dan Ecker is a deer research biologist, Region 1, Alaska. Alaska Fish and Game. Actually uses deer calls to do his research. He'll uh, call these deer in, capture, doctor, collar, and study these deer. Originally from one of my favorite uh, places, Montana, western Montana. More from Dan after we make a little run to the coffee pot. You're in camp with Patriot Mobile's Kinder Outdoors. When
4: we're not in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. I'm Mike Iconelli, and this is Big Billy Kinder Outdoors.
1: The reason you missed that big buck isn't because you're a lousy shot. It's because you need a new optic from Marksman Firearms. With locations in Mansfield, Wichita Falls, Granbury, and Killeen, there's a Marksman Firearms location near you. Rifles, shotguns, targets, ammo, optics, scopes, rangefinders, trail cameras, knives, and much more. MarksmanFirearms.com. Make your mark. <coughs> at Marksman. I'm Tom Watson, with Bend knee International, asking you to pray for the Navajo people of New Mexico and Arizona. The COVID-19 pandemic has hit these Native people exceptionally hard. In many cases, multiple families live in the same home. The water is carried from muddy streams for household use, and medical care is many miles away. I simply ask that you join me in lifting them up to the Lord. To learn more, Please visit BendedKnee.org. When that buck of a lifetime finally shows himself and your years of preparation successfully collide with golden opportunity, you'll want to preserve that memory for a lifetime. Make sure that you're as well prepared for what happens after the shot as you were leading up to it. Don't take chances with your taxidermy work. Roy Holdridge and True Life Taxidermy in Granbury, Texas have taken care of my fondest outdoor memories for more than three decades. Fish, fur, feathers, all meticulously brought to true life. The finest details matter to Roy and the artist at True Life Granbury. True Life has been called upon to handle the precious memories of hunters and anglers from around the globe. Interstate and international trophy transport is turnkey with True Life. And they can handle all of your wild game meat processing as well. True Life Taxidermy, 4303 East Highway 377 in Granbury, Texas. And online at truelifetaxidermy.org.
5: Also, don't forget Mr. Crappie Slow Troll and Double Drop Crappie Rigs. Pre-tied with number two hooks, double swivel weights, and eight-pound line. Tie one on today. Look us up at bulletweights.com.
1: Once upon a time, long, long ago, elk roamed bountifully across most of North America. Their bugle cut the early morning fog in the hills of Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, coast-to-coast. And then, they were gone. But in 1984, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation was born. And since then, a quarter of a million people have joined the elk effort. Nearly nine and a half million acres have been preserved, or access opened up to the public. There are more than 500 RMEF chapters. And the way we go about our business makes us one of the most efficient and effective conservation organizations in the US. The Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation plays a leading role in restoring elk to their historic habitat. Today, make a difference in the world. Make an impact. Learn how at rmef.org.
6: Every animal that has ever roamed this planet was designed as hunted or hunter, predator or prey. We are hunters. If it were ever necessary, even the strictest vegan would return to the wild, driven to survive by the instincts of his ancestors. Those who hide behind the soft delusion of their own ignorance do so from within a civilization whose very being costs the lives of countless creatures every single day. Death is an undeniable fuel of life. This is the undeniable truth of existence. To live in balance with the planet that sustains us, we must admit and embrace the nature within us. Trust the hunter in your blood.
0: Sometimes, our office is a bass boat. Tough job, but somebody's got to do it. Kinder Outdoors. Proud partners with Patriot Mobile.
1: That critter that you heard bellowing there? My favorite venison, Axis deer. I actually recorded that big bull calling at about 4 o'clock in the morning. One of my trips to Joshua Creek Ranch in the Texas Hill Country, unlike white-tailed deer or mule deer, the Axis bugles more like an elk, and you'll hear them screaming like that any time of the day or night in search of a mate. And they'll breed or be in velvet or hard-horned any month of the year. So, being an exotic, meaning you can hunt them any month of the year, and also considering the fact that they are very tasty, I recommend you call my friends at Joshua Creek Ranch of the Texas Hill Country, and go take advantage of this naturally occurring, low-fence herd of axis deer on a five-star ranch, Joshua Creek. Learn more at kinderoutdoors.com. Dan Ecker with Alaska Fish and Game. He is a deer biologist and my guest on the show today. Thanks for hanging on, Dan.
2: You bet, sir. Uh,
1: now, you grew up in, uh, in and around Kalispell, Montana. Did you grow up hunting and fishing? I assume so.
2: I did, yeah. You know, my My dad was you know big into hunting and fishing and and still is and he got us out hunting hunting deer pretty early i believe you could hunt at 11 and a half in montana so you know they get them started pretty early there and and so i got into a lot of you know mostly white tailed deer hunting but i was also hunting elk as well and got into that um also but yeah western montana is is awesome for hunting and fishing it has a lot of rivers that are that are still great for fly fishing and i really got into uh, doing a lot of fly fishing there have some excellent creeks and stuff like that but yeah i i was lucky enough to you know grow up enjoying the outdoors a lot doing a lot of camping and hiking we also had a lot of huckleberries to pick out there and that's one of the big summer activities in montana and hard to match the montana huckleberry i would say
1: <laughs> yes You're exactly right. I've been fortunate to spend a lot of time in Montana through the years uh, with my bird dogs, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that's a magical place, wonderful place. But uh, working in Alaska now, and you capture deer for research purposes, and to help in that capture, you use deer calls. You call these deer. Uh, Now, are we talking primarily about black-tailed deer, Sitka deer?
2: Yeah, that's correct. They're... They're really the only, you know, species of, of deer. Besides, you know, moose are are actually in the deer family. They're a they're a real big deer, but we have some moose in Southeast Alaska. But our main deer is the Sitka black-tailed deer, and it's a subspecies of of mule deer, and and part of the black-tailed deer family. And most recently, we've had just a few mule deer uh, leaking into alaska from uh, canada and they've been coming into skagway which is a bit north but otherwise the main focus is on sitka blacktail deer because they're the most sought after game species in alaska and of course there's tons of ungulates to hunt in alaska you know we have caribou and muskox and doll sheep and it, it goes on and on but in this area especially along the coastline and even kodiak um, Sitka black deer is kind of where it's at for, for the deer hunting.
1: The black deer that you're researching there in Alaska that we're going to run into in your neck of the woods, how different are they size-wise or genetically from, say, the black deer in Northern California?
2: Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, quite a bit of difference. Um, I'm not, you know, that familiar with the blacktails tails in, in California, but, you know, these adult females that at full weight, they'll be about a hundred pounds and, you know, bucks uh, could go from 120 to 150 with maybe some of the largest bucks up in the Alpine. The bucks tend to get uh, larger. We do have some Alpine environments that some of the deer migrate up to and utilize in the summertime. And some of those bucks might go even as large as 180 or 200 pounds of the largest bucks. But a lot of the deer you see, You know, even bucks or maybe 120 pounds max, which is a Mm -hmm. which is a pretty small deer. I mean, even when I hunted mule deer back in Montana, it was like a small elk. You know, you're getting up to, you know, more of a standard size of 150, 180, 80 pounds or or larger. You know, some of these big mule deer. So they're a they are particularly small-bodied deer, which you know, in some regard, makes them a little easier to pack out when you get them. But they are particularly tasty deer. Their rainforest diet and stuff. Uh, some of the most delicious deer meat I've had, really.
1: Oh wow! Uh, so I could be knocking at your door one dark day up there, Dan. <laughs>
2: that would be great. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: uh, we, well, we have a long deer hunting season too, which is one of the advantages. If you're a, if you're a resident, we just get six deer tags. You know, because they are kind of small deer, but they are are also very abundant. So you get these six deer tags. And then a lot of areas open August 1st and go all the way to the end of December. So it's, you know, a, quite a long season. I think Montana was something like a five-week rifle season. So you have basically months out here, you know, to hunt them up in the Alpine, like in their, when they have their velvet and stuff. And then, you know, you have the rut and a pretty long duration of season in most areas. There There's some differences, but, but yeah, just uh, excellent deer hunting, I would say, out
1: here. You're actually calling and capturing deer for research. We're gonna call those deer in just a minute, but uh tell me just in a nutshell, uh just a sample, what what do you do with these deer once you have captured them?
2: Yeah, well you know, the main thing is, um, you know, we go to pretty great lakes pretty great lengths just to take care of them as far as applying, you know, medical oxygen and, and other care that they would need to make sure that they're taken care of well. And then and then we collar them. And we have these uh, really nice modern GPS collars these days that get great uh, location data. And they also work remotely, which is kind of neat. Um, for a lot of the studies I've done, you would have to, you know, fly and constantly kind of be checking these VHF radio signals on the collars. But now with the satellite technology and stuff, I can just check on these animals from the morning from my desk, in the morning from my desk, and see if they're alive or not, and so the main thing is we're tracking their survival, and then we finally will recover the collar, and we've got a wealth of GPS data, then, you know, thousands of locations over the year, and, and so that's going into some other research that we're working on, just to collect that gps data and then the in the survival data
1: so you can literally sit there with your coffee and no matter what these deer are up to where they've gone you can you can check you can check their livelihood you can see how they're doing <laughs> that's cool yeah, even
2: even get a location on them so they can the callers can communicate with the satellites and so what they'll do is they'll Upload one location to the satellites per day. We just kind of do that to save battery power. And so I can kind of keep track on them. Every once in a while we'll see, you know, a fairly big movement. I've seen, you know, 10, 15-mile movements before. Most of the time they don't move around a whole lot. These deer have a small home range, I think, compared to other deer species, but, yeah, we can, we can do that kind of welfare check on them remotely and keep track of them. And then also for retrieving the collar, it makes it a lot easier because you just have a GPS point to go to. And in some of the more open types of habitat, I've been able to just go up and find the collar even just based on that GPS point instead of having to even, you know, worry about the telemetry equipment and so you know even for my master's project we were having to do a ton of telemetry to find these these dead elk calves and they didn't have any technology like that and so yeah it just makes it a lot easier and we save money not having to do a a bunch of extra flying just to track the deer like they had to do in some past studies so in some ways the life has got just a little bit easier for a wildlife biologist in that regard
1: That is just so very cool. Okay, I promised this before, but we're really going to do it when we come back this time. Uh, We're going to talk about calling deer for research purposes, okay? Perfect. So cool. We'll be right back.
4: Hey, everybody. It's professional angler, Ot Defoe. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors.
1: When we're not on the road hunting or fishing America, Kinder Outdoors calls the vineyards, campground, and cabins in Grapevine, Texas, home. It has everything I need to prepare and broadcast coast-to-coast and border-to-border each week. Full hookups, cable TV, and 50-amp service at every RV site. Strong Wi-Fi that's powerful enough to ship Kinder Outdoors to you, no matter where you are in the U.S. or Canada. Most importantly, I can walk out of my fifth wheel and launch my boat at the Vineyard's boat ramp without ever leaving the gated property. There's a sandy beach, a fully stocked camp store complete with firewood, groceries, and even commonly needed RV supplies. Rent a golf cart to make your way around this giant park located on the shores of Grapevine Lake, Texas. Every single cabin and RV is lakefront or lake view, and you're just blocks away from Main Street Grapevine with fantastic shopping and dining. As you can imagine, the Vineyards Campground and Cabin stays pretty busy, so why don't you block a little time right now at VineyardsCampground.com. If you ever stop just once in West Texas at the very unique Herdware Store and visit with the very unique Cecil Miskin, you'll make it a regular stop every time you
4: pass by. We are on U.S. 287, which is one of the oldest and most major U.S. highways still. We are 40 miles south and east of Amarillo. H-E-R-D, Herdware Store. We've got bison leather goods, vests, chaps, dusters, and bison hide coats, bison leather belts and wallets, bison leather shoes, art. We've got western artifacts. We've got native artifacts. The only way we can describe it is all things bison. If you're not interested in bison, don't stop. If you're interested in bison, come on and plan on spending 15 minutes to 2 hours and enjoy yourself. The only rule that we have in the store, and we've had it for many years, and we've only had one person ever break our rule, is if you're not having fun, we're going to ask you to leave.
1: The most unique stop between the Gulf and the Pacific. Cecil Miskin and the Herdware Store. Herdware.net. If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky, oily messes, then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, Small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom, so your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, never duplicated. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, delicious every time. CajunFryer.com.
7: Hi, I'm Jim Shocky, and it's time once again to invite you to our annual Jim Shockey Classic two-day charity event where we all get together to celebrate and honor those who have served and sacrificed. All of us deeply admire the invaluable sacrifices made by our military personnel. 100% of the proceeds fund all expense paid Shockey tribute hunts through the Freedom Hunters Military Outreach Program. In addition to the golf tournament, There will be a sporting clay tournament on Sunday morning before the banquet. So join me April 14th and 15th, 2024, at the award-winning Barnsley Resort in Eatersville, Georgia, nestled in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. Visit jimshockeyclassic.com to sponsor, to register, or to donate, and also to learn more about our great event. I really hope to see you there.
0: screen that porch in just for you. Glad you enjoy it. Your end camp with Kinder Outdoors, presented to you by Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider.
1: It was good to see Kevin Wellborn and the gang from Joshua Creek Ranch at the Dallas Safari Club Expo last week. They always exhibit there, and I couldn't help but notice a steady stream of people dropping by to tell them how much they enjoy the ranch. Beretta, Orvis, Shooting Sportsman, Federal Select all agree that some of the finest upland bird hunting on planet Earth is at Joshua Creek Ranch. Go get in on the action. Learn more about them at kinderoutdoors.com. We're visiting with Dan Ecker from Alaska Fishing Game on the show today. He is the Region 1 deer biologist, deer research biologist there in Alaska. And again, thanks for hanging on, Dan.
2: Well, thank you for having me on. It's wonderful to talk with you.
1: Hey, let's talk about calling deer for research purposes. You actually call these deer into you and it's proven to be quite successful.
2: Yeah, it is. You know, it it's a very difficult capture out here just because we're we're dealing with a very, you know, thick rainforest canopy. In other states, a lot of times, you know, they're able to helicopter net gun them from air. You know, I know that's used in Texas quite a bit to to do their capture and you just have a lot more open country to make that happen. But, you know, we're kind of at a disadvantage with that. And so we have to rely on the call. And so we, we didn't come up, you know, with the, the technique as far as, you know, the overall calling and capture. There was another study on uh, Prince of Wales Island where they used that successfully as well. And so we kind of borrowed, you know, what folks had already been, had seen success with and it's basically using what is a you know a deer squeaker toy cut in half so the plastic squeaker out of a out of a dog toy I mean not a deer toy but out of a dog toy can be used as a call by just kind of cutting it in half and blowing through it it makes a pretty perfect fawn distress call and so that fawn distress call we use that in late July and August and the does really respond to it. We don't get the kind of response out of the bucks as we do the does. But the does really respond to it. And a lot of times they just come right into a safe darting range, you know, which is about, you know, fifteen, anywhere from sort of fifteen to twenty meters or so is an ideal safe darting range. There's some variability about that. But but yeah, it's pretty incredible. Like I just I remember seeing this video of these two Small children, and I think it was for Primo's calls. That's kind of a—you're probably familiar with them, but that's like a, you know, kind of a more of a bigger commercial brand of calls. And these two little kids are just sitting under the tree, and they're just blowing this fawn distress call. And these these does, even these these white-tailed deer, just instinctively come into it. They have this sort of altruistic behavior where they'll even defend other doe's fawns. And they just come right into it, and they can't help it. It's just like instinctively they respond to it. And so that call just greatly improves our success. So we can just go in, and we set up an area, and, you know, we stay quiet for, you know, five, ten minutes, and then we'll start calling and, you know, have a – just like you would hunting, you know, where you have your shooter set up in the shooting lane, and you try to anticipate where they might come in, and then you just – you start – uh Whaling on the call, and uh it's surprising how often it works, but yeah, that's been a big part of the success and so we just kind of replicated what what we knew worked already, you know, in the sense that folks had some calling success before
1: that is awesome. Our turkey hunters are sitting there saying, "Yeah, we do that in the fall uh by making a kiki run uh, let's, uh you know which is a a young turkey in distress, looking for mama and uh, the hen a lot of time comes a lot of times comes comes running into that kiki uh-huh. call so very similar making making a distress call from the young one and the older one comes in now i would think dan that when a big brown bear hears that little fawn in distress that he might be interested in coming over to investigate too
2: <laughs> yeah that's a that's a good point, you know. Like, <laughs> that's one thing that was, you know, we we definitely had some grizzly bears in, in Montana, but you just didn't see them very often in the, in the woods, you know. people People do have the encounters, but, you know, just about every season out here, I would run into a brown bear hunting in the woods when I was over in the Sitka area. But, yeah, I think during this time of season, you know, we have these incredible salmon runs out here, and during that time of the season the bears are really focused in on the salmon on the berries as well the berry production so the main period that they're that they're eating these deer fawns and focused on these deer fawns is basically you know about the first 30 or 40 days of a fawn's life so they typically are born somewhere around June 1st and then You know, the bears are heavily focused on that when those fawns are very vulnerable and then they get big enough to where, you know, it gets pretty difficult for a bear to to run down one of those fawns and get close enough to them to ambush them or something like that. So they, you know, I kind of think bears are a bit lazy, Um, but they just, (laughs) they go down to the salmon creeks and they're feeding on that. So. You know we actually haven't called one in um, you know like any place where there's sort of bears and predators around you'd always want somebody else sort of watching your back and a couple of people there but yeah surprisingly we haven't had one predator coming to the call and I can only surmise that they're just sitting down on these creeks eating fish that time of season as we have you know pretty good king salmon runs are coming in and in July and then the coho salmon um, start coming in august and then you've got pink salmon so you've got just a variety of fish species and you know out here in alaska when i was in haynes a little farther north was the only time that i actually ever got to see bears feeding uh, feeding on fish before in the river and i thought that was pretty incredible to just watch and there's this great places you can go to just watch a brown bears just feed on fish but yeah, you'd think that it would draw some kind of predators in. Um, it sort of, you know, it'll bring in some birds. That's what I've noticed. Some of the um, some of the bird species will come in and just kind of like mountain chickadee will respond to it, and stellar's jay. I've heard actually mimicking the call out in the woods. They, huh. um, you know, they're just extremely good at mimicking calls of the as a corvid and they just uh yeah you'll hear them making that little whiny deer call and um the calling is just a big part of the hunting out here too you know that that call i tend to think fades a little bit as the fawns in august you know they're starting to become more independent they're hanging hanging farther away from mom and as you get into the fall i think that call has a little less effectiveness than it that it does it seems to fade a bit but i've still had luck even you know calling in does with it in uh the hunting season in the fall and you know we're typically after after bucks but sometimes you can blow that call a doe will come and then there'll be bucks following her um yeah otherwise the calling also is really exciting as anybody knows that's you know called in a deer to them and shot it. it's just wonderful when they can uh you know hunt you and you when you can just sit there and get set up well and and call them in, there's just there's a feeling of excitement from that. As you know, some of these does are all fired up when they come in and their hairs standing up and they're they're coming in fast. And there's just such a great variety of uh, behaviors that you see in response to the call. Um, so they all sort of have their their personalities. I kind of suspect that some of the does that lost their fawn earlier in the season might respond to it more than does that are you know if she hmm. still has her two fawns you know she might not care as much about it but yeah they definitely react to it.
1: Wow just another day at the office for wildlife yeah. biologist Dan Ecker up in Alaska. <laughs> yeah it's kind of
2: like an ex- early hunting season or something like that you know I it's got a lot of parallels to to hunting and uh, gives you a little adrenaline rush, you know, like you get you get hunting at times, too. Uh,
1: Dan, you have not heard the last from me. This is too interesting. We're out of time, but I'll be calling again one day, my friend.
2: Well, sounds good, Billy. I sure appreciate it and hope things are good down in Texas for you today.
1: This corner of the camp house brought to you by Joshua Creek Ranch.
0: Freedom every day. Patriot Mobile and Kinder Outdoors.
1: Here we are again. Patriot Mobile's Kinder Outdoors from the Bermuda Triangle of Good Old Boy, Decatur, Bowie, Alvord, Texas. Welcome to the camphouse. Just outside of Alvord, Gateway to the Grasslands, the LBJ National Grasslands, hunting and fishing at your fingertips. In this corner of the camphouse is brought to you by the world's greatest dog fuel, Purina ProPlan. They've run some field trials out on these grasslands before. I've been there, and the vast majority of those dogs, those high-powered bird dogs, are fueled up with Purina ProPlan performance formula in the purple sport bag. 30% protein, 20% fat. Pick up a bag of ProPlan, the formula that best suits your champ, at Atwoods Ranch and Home Stores, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, Kansas, Missouri. Hey, in case you're just joining us at uh, Kinder Outdoors today, very special guest from the great state of Alaska with Alaska Fish and Game. He is the Region 1 biologist, deer research biologist in the state of Alaska, Dan Ecker. Dan, welcome to the show. I've been trying for a while to make this happen.
2: Yeah, well thanks for having me on your show. Billy, I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, you betcha. I think what you do is going to be of great interest to uh to my listenership. A lot of us hunt deer, a lot of us call deer or try to, you know, rattle up a buck or or sometimes use mouth calls to call deer. You take it to a whole other level though with what you do, and I want to talk about that on the show today, how you actually use deer calls uh to, to and very successfully uh, to bring deer in for capture and research purposes uh, but first of all let's get to know you a little bit where were you you're not born and raised Alaska are you?
2: Uh, no I'm not like a lot of folks in Alaska I'm a I'm a transplant from northwestern Montana I grew up in Kalispell and then ended up uh, going to college in Missoula and they have a really great wildlife biology program there at the university of montana so i got my undergraduate degree there and then i went on to a master's degree studying elk calf mortality and and um, elk survival and then about you know did a number of other projects and then about three years after just working as a research associate at the university of montana i finally Kind of moved out to Juneau on a whim and and got this deer biology job here. And I've been in Juneau now for about six years since
1: 2018. And we're going to learn more about Dan Ecker's deer research in Alaska in just a little while.
0: This is a Kinder Outdoors Conservation Minute a focus on people that make a difference.
3: At the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation, we're really happy to have more than 50,000 kids in school classrooms learning about archery, fishing, boating, and other outdoor skills each year. We're thrilled that we have grown to schools across the United States and continue to grow. We're humbled that teaching wildlife conservation to our future generations have been so eagerly accepted by more than a quarter million kids so far. We're happy, thrilled, and humbled I'm at gootf.com. That's Scott at gootf.com.
0: Preserving what we love and educating the next generation every day. To learn more, visit us at kenderoutdoors.com.
1: Hey, have you been watching the cast built by Bassmaster on Saturday mornings? I've been setting the DVR every week and watching these episodes. Uh, It's really good stuff, a great presentation of the history of Bassmaster. Ray Scott's original idea, the foundational building of Bassmaster, some of the superstars along the way. Rick Clunn is one of those guys that's going to be featured uh, on an upcoming episode, I believe in early February. Saturday mornings, FS1. Check it out. I think you'll enjoy it if you're a fan of professional bass fishing. Come see me at kinderoutdoors.com. Take a look at this giant, White crappie caught by Shelly Montana on Lake Tewakonee, East Texas, 2.85. That's a big one, 2.85. And she says, hey, Billy, I built the jig myself that caught this fish. Shelly, way to go. That is a slab. And Shelly and her big crappie are up on the bragging board at kinderoutdoors.com. If you live in Texas and you hunt whitetail deer and you don't yet have venison in the freezer, you can't shoot that big buck now. That's over with. But does and spikes, that late season, extended season, does and spikes, runs through tomorrow, Sunday, January 21. Go get your does, go get your spikes, go see Joe Masacchio at Cinnamon Creek and tell him you want some of that good taco meat made up. (laughs) My friends at Purina Pro Plan have a lot of different formulas because there are so many different dogs, and there's a formula that's perfect for your dog and it's healthier than whatever you're feeding now. Make the switch and see a healthier dog in just a couple of weeks. Clearer eyes, a slicker, shinier coat, more energy. Purina Pro Plan. This is also your final weekend to hunt white-tailed deer up in Iowa. The final deer seasons are open now. The population management January antlerless season and the excess tag January antlerless season both run through tomorrow, Sunday, the 21st. Hi, I'm Richard Cheatham of the DSC Foundation. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. first heard about Patriot Mobile from a good friend of mine, a guy I go to church with, a guy that was in law enforcement, a police officer uh, for a lot of years. And it got my attention when he told me, hey, Billy, these guys at Patriot Mobile are America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. I said, Rich, I love that, but my livelihood relies on great cell service. He said, no worries. They offer broad coverage of dependable nationwide 4G and 5G, with exceptional support. Talk to a human being when you call. And a portion of every dollar that they earn fights for First Amendment rights, religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment rights, sanctity of life, help for our veterans and first responders, all the stuff I like. Patriot Mobile. Make the switch. Use the promo code KINDER, like my last name, K-I-N-D-E-R, and get free activation.
4: The Quail Coalition has drawn the line. Quail decline stops here. South and West Texas and Western Oklahoma are the last strong natural regions for wild bobwhite quail. We've all watched the drastic decline across the southern states of the iconic bobwhite. The Quail Coalition has vowed to do all within human power to not only stop quail decline, but build a future where the quail will flourish across all of its original habitat. If true quail conservation is important to you, please visit quailcoalition.org. Consider a membership, attend one of our fundraising banquets, and please consider starting a chapter in your home state. Together, let's sustain and restore huntable wild quail populations. Let's encourage and educate interested youth Let's keep the most brilliant quail minds on earth working on a bright future for our quails. The first step, visit our website, quailcoalition.org.
5: Also, don't forget Mr. Crappie Slow Troll and Double Drop Crappie Rigs. Pre-tied with number two hooks, double swivel weights, and eight-pound line. Tie one on today. Look us up at bulletweights.com.
1: There's a place I love to go in the pristine Texas hill country that features first-class lodging, outstanding cuisine, world-class wing shooting, the best free-range access deer hunting in the world, my favorite, by the way, plus native whitetails and turkey, and some of the most comfortable hosts that you've ever enjoyed don't forget to throw in the fly rod you'll want to experience the crystal clear waters of joshua creek and the guadalupe river rolling hills and texas live oaks friendly smiles and spring fed waters orbis and beretta agree that joshua creek is one of the finest hunting and shooting ranches in existence and i think you will too you won't find a prettier place to get married and our staff and facilities will make your corporate event, family reunion, or private party turnkey and the best you'll ever experience. Joshua Creek Ranch in the historic Texas Hill Country between San Antonio and Fredericksburg. Want to go? Of course you do. JoshuaCreek.com.
0: share our campfire and a good story or two kinder outdoors proud partners with patriot mobile
1: let's get back to our conversation now with deer biologist dan ecker with alaska fish and game so you've been there long enough to determine if you like a lot of darkness are you ha- <laughs> are you happy with uh, with alaska i mean that that's a that's an acquired taste i would think
2: Well, sure, yeah, it's, you know, a bit of an adaptation for sure. You know, from western Montana, I was already sort of used to the cold, snowy winters. And I I would say, actually, in Juneau here, we have a bit more, you know, moderated temperatures because of the ocean. It doesn't get quite as cold as it would back in Montana. But certainly I think the light, you know, both too much of it and the lack of light are – you know, a serious adjustment here. You know, you have to have the blackout curtains in the summertime, or, you know, you just won't be able to sleep, and then (laughs) just the opposite in the wintertime where, you know, some of the field work is really challenging that time of year where, you know, it doesn't get light till about 9 a.m., and then it's already getting dark about 3, uh, 3. 3.30 p.m., and you need to start making your way out of the woods if you don't want to be out in the dark. So, yeah, I think the field work has helped – Uh, certainly be able to handle the winters a bit. We still get um, some nice um, sunny days, but I think it's certainly an adaptation here, living in a coastal temperate rainforest where we just get incredible amounts of rain, too. Um, But, yeah, you know, we're not like Barrow, Alaska, or, you know, real far north, but we still get a pretty strong effect of the light here for sure. I would uh, think
1: so. Just something
2: you get used to, you know, as... Certainly the first couple of years are difficult, and then, like any place, you just start to get more adjusted to it over time.
1: So you're on Mitkoff Island, if I'm pronouncing that uh, right. Uh, tell us, where is Mitkoff? Let us get our bearing. Yeah.
2: yeah, so Mitkoff is um, just one of the islands in, in, a, in a large chain of islands here known as the Alexander Archipelago, and so we're just... Uh, kind of north you know all these islands are just north of vancouver um bc and vancouver island bc and just off the coast so you know the capital cities here in juneau and i'm in douglas right now and where our kind of region one headquarters is in douglas here so it's sort of considered west Juno. there's just like a um a kind of little waterway between here and the island that's connected by a bridge. But then the study area down on Mitkoff Island, and you did pronounce that right, it's in the center part of the island archipelago, so it's maybe about 150 miles south of me here. And there's really only one community there that's called Petersburg, Alaska, and it's a community of maybe 3,000, 3,500 people, and you know there's a lot of fishing that goes on out here and i definitely recommend making a trip there sometime for the for the salmon fishing it also has some really good deer and moose hunting too but um yeah there's just that one community on the one community on the island and so yeah it's kind of right in the center of um the archipelago and a lot of folks have heard of QU island there's like a hunting uh, clothing and kind of pack brand, QU, most folks are aware of. And that island is just uh, a couple islands over to the west where they have uh, world-class black bear hunting there on QU. So, yeah, we're just sort of a bit northwest of Ketchikan and south of Juneau, kind of dead in the middle is where we have this deer study going on there on Mitkoff Island.
1: With, you, know, you work for Region 1 uh, with Alaska Fish and Game Wildlife. I can only imagine the regions are massive. How much? How many square miles are in your research
0: area?
2: Um, in in my particular area, I'd have to have to convert this, but I'm. It's about 500 square kilometers. A lot of times we we work in uh, in kilometers. I'm trying to. I can convert that to miles, but you know, you're just talking a, a really vast areas. You know, we have these five. Management regions of Alaska, and, and ours is considered uh, Southeast Alaska, and so yeah, just vast, vast um, area. And one thing is, the out here it's the Tongass National Forest. Just to give you an idea, that's the largest national forest in the United States. It covers these, these islands out here. So it's just it's millions of acres of old-growth forest you know, dominated by hemlock and Sitka spruce. And so it's just really vast, and it's really remote. And so I think, you know, especially for hunters, there's some really cool trips that you can do. You can rent these Forest Service cabins and, you know, go with a guy or guide or get out to these cabins and just, just have a spectacular, you know, wildlife experience hunting and just um, some really remote areas, though. For instance, in Juneau, there's no roads in or out of here you have to come in by ferry or airplane and so that's kind of interesting too so that's how we get around is we do have jet service on a number of the islands here where you know you could be from seattle to juneau for instance about two hours and they call it the milk run and it'll stop at all these little towns in southeast alaska a few of the different towns sitka is another place people might know about too which also has you know world world world-class sitka blacktail deer hunting there
1: yeah, and those are the deer that you study, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, from what you describe, it's just absolutely gorgeous where you live and work. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it really is, and I think that's one of the big draws for the tourism industry here, which is, you know, one of Alaska's uh, largest industries behind the whole fishing, commercial fishing. And, you know, we get these mega cruise ships that come to Juneau, and, and they can drop as much as... You know, five to ten thousand passengers in the in the downtown area in this you know in the summertime it'll be really crowded and this is one of the few places in the world that you can just drive to go see a glacier and we have the mendenhall glacier <laughs> that's in the valley there and so that's just kind of a cool thing like if you come and visit you can also see tons of sea life i've seen a lot of Uh, whales and and bald eagles especially but i i sort of joke like these bald eagles are sort of like white-tailed deer back in montana you know you've seen them (laughs) so many times you know maybe it's not that spectacular but um even though i still enjoy just watching the deer as a lot of people do yeah it just has uh you know it's a really rare place where the mountains meet the ocean you know it's at sea level here in juno and some of the peaks even right around us here will go up to you know, 3,500 feet, so this is some very steep country as well, and it's got a bunch of glaciated valleys. We basically, in Juneau here, we live under a massive ice sheet, but I would say southeast Alaska is one of the most beautiful places in the world and just a rare coastal ecosystem, and... uh, People, if they get a chance, should definitely try to come visit it. Um, There's a lot of good fishing, a lot of good hunting, of course, but just even to take a cruise or something like that and and come see it is worthwhile to do at least once in your life, I think.
1: Tell you what, we're going to have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to dart some deer or capture some deer, however you go about that, okay? You bet. Wildlife biologist, deer biologist, the lead deer biologist, Region 1, Alaska Fish and Game, Dan Ecker. Pretty interesting guy. Hey, coming up next weekend in Little Rock, Arkansas, there at the state fairgrounds, it is time for the Big Buck Classic. They do it every year. Arkansas Game and Fish will be there again with the Arkansas Game and Fish Foundation Kids Zone next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, January 26, 27, 28. Plenty of excitement for the kiddos at the Big Buck Classic, a hoverball archery station. Kids take turns trying to shoot a ping-pong ball out of midair with a bow. The Arkansas Bow Hunters Association will be there with a separate archery setup booth to help the youngsters improve their skills. A bow fishing simulator for the kids. I want to do that. And the National Wild Turkey Federation will also host an inflatable BB gun range. Lots to do next weekend in Little Rock at the state fairgrounds. For Arkansas's Big Buck Classic 2024. Hey, if you own a dog, drop by Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores today and pick up a bag of the best Purina Pro Plan. They've got a formula that suits your dog
4: perfectly. Pro Plan. I'm Craig Boddington. When I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it at Kinder Outdoors.
1: reason you missed that big buck isn't because you're a lousy shot. It's because you need a new optic from Marksman Firearms. With locations in Mansfield, Wichita Falls, Granberry, and Killeen, there's a Marksman Firearms location near you. Rifles, shotguns, targets, ammo, optics, scopes, rangefinders, trail cameras, knives, and much more. MarksmanFirearms.com. Make your mark at Marksman. These are unsettling and even scary times for many people. But for others, there's peace, even as an angry world cries out. The source of that peace is Jesus Christ. I'm John Watson, pastor at Cornerstone Bible Church in Roanoke, Texas. At Cornerstone, we teach the Bible with no man-made religion added in. Join us online Sunday mornings at 1015 Central at csbiblechurch.org. It's just God's Word, csbiblechurch.org. When we're not on the road hunting or fishing America, Kinder Outdoors calls the vineyards, campground, and cabins in Grapevine, Texas, home. It has everything I need to prepare and broadcast coast-to-coast and border-to-border each week. Full hookups, cable TV, and 50-amp service at every RV site. Strong Wi-Fi that's powerful enough to ship Kinder Outdoors to you, no matter where you are in the U.S. or Canada. Most importantly, I can walk out of my fifth wheel and launch my boat at the Vineyard's boat ramp without ever leaving the gated property. There's a sandy beach, a fully stocked camp store complete with firewood, groceries, and even commonly needed RV supplies. Rent a golf cart to make your way around this giant park located on the shores of Grapevine Lake, Texas. Every single cabin and RV is lakefront or lake view, and you're just blocks away from Main Street Grapevine with fantastic shopping and dining. As you can imagine, the Vineyards Campground and Cabin stays pretty busy, so why don't you block a little time right now at VineyardsCampground.com. The Wild Sheep Foundation. Our purpose sounds simple, to put and keep wild sheep on the mountain. But from where we stand to the top of the mountain is a challenging and exciting journey. To be successful, we support the top scientific minds in wildlife research, We tell the story and history of the wild sheep in North America to those around us, like you. And step by step, we protect and grow wild sheep populations. If not for the Wild Sheep Foundation, more than $115 million in care, concern, and conservation work would not have happened over the past 40 years. Important work that has seen our wild sheep populations grow from 25,000 or so in the 1950s to more than 85,000 today. Learn more about the worldwide leader in wild sheep conservation. Secure a membership. Attend a banquet. Bid on an auction item. Make an impact on top of the mountain. WildSheepFoundation.org. If you love to hit the woods with a bow in your hand, now is the time to visit Cinnamon Creek Ranch Archery.
4: You know, it is a buyer's year. And what I mean by that, no matter which brand you choose, whether it's a Hoyt, Matthews, PSC, Bowtech, it's going to be a good year to purchase a bow because everybody has something really good to offer when you visit with the pros at cinnamon creek archery you're talking to guys that live this stuff
1: day in and day out
4: we are a tribe before you buy shop not to mention altogether we've got a well over 100 years of experience so it's something that we do on a daily. I know I hunt two or three times a, a, a week, whether you know it's season or not. So we can definitely help you with that stuff. Cinnamon Creek
1: Archery has practice ranges indoors and out.
4: So the static bags is just a range that has distances out to 100 yards. Uh, we also have four 3D courses. Each one of those has approximately 20 targets on it. We have a 30-yard upstairs range, and we have a 20-yard downstairs range.
1: Come see us right now at cinnamoncreekranch.com. Somewhere over this
6: horizon sit a million little dictators eager to purge humanity of its hunting instincts. Contrived emotions flood from their air-conditioned, glass-paneled, Wi-Fi-enabled habitats over the mountains and out into the wild from which they hate to admit they emerged. Their foolish quest to force nature to fit their feelings threatens the survival of every living thing on our planet. If their fever tantrums are ever imposed, the Earth will be ruled by the deadliest combination in the natural world, human ignorance and human arrogance. Travel another path, the truest path, nature's path. Trust the hunter in your blood.
0: border-to-border border and coast-to-coast coast each week with Patriot Mobile and Kinder Outdoors.
1: Hey, thanks so much for hanging out around our campfire at Patriot Mobile's Kinder Outdoors. Take a look at what Patriot Mobile is doing. If you love America, you're going to love what Patriot Mobile does for all of us, whether we're Patriot customers or not. Hey, this corner of the camphouse is brought to you by my friends at Joshua Creek Ranch. Just outside of Barney, Texas, down by San Antonio. This year they're featuring high-volume, European-style driven pheasant shooting experiences. This is best experienced with a group. You and your buddies, you and your corporate group, you and your family reunion, whatever. A bunch of you get together and get ready because you're going to see about a thousand pheasants coming overhead. You're going to have a blast Ask him about it. Learn more. Outdoors dot com. Click on Joshua Creek Ranch. Let's get back to Dan Ecker with Alaska Fish and Game. Uh, now you grew up in uh, in and around Kalispell, Montana. Did you grow up hunting and fishing? I assume so.
2: I did, yeah. And you know, my my dad was you know big into hunting and fishing and and still is. And he got us out hunting hunting deer pretty early. I believe you could hunt at eleven and a half in Montana. So. You know they get them started pretty early there and and so I got into a lot of you know mostly white tailed deer hunting, but I was also hunting elk as well and got into that um also but yeah western montana is is awesome for hunting and fishing it has a lot of rivers that are that are still great for fly fishing and I really got into uh, doing a lot of fly fishing there have some excellent creeks and stuff like that but yeah i I was lucky enough to you know grow up enjoying the outdoors a lot, doing a lot of camping and hiking. We also had a lot of huckleberries to pick out there, and that's one of the big summer activities in montana and hard to match the montana huckleberry, I would say
1: <laughs> yes, you're exactly right. I've been fortunate to spend a lot of time in Montana through the years uh, with my bird dogs, et cetera, mm-hmm. and that's a magical place, wonderful place but uh, yeah. Working in Alaska now, and you capture deer for research purposes and to help in that capture, you use deer calls. you call these deer uh now are we talking primarily about black tailed deer Sitka deer
2: yeah that's correct they're they're really the only you know species of of deer besides you know moose are are actually in the deer family they're a they're a real big deer but We have some moose in southeast Alaska, but our main deer is the Sitka black-tailed deer, and it's a subspecies of of mule deer and and part of the black-tailed deer family. And most recently, we've had just a few mule deer uh, leaking into Alaska from uh, Canada, and they've been coming into Skagway, which is a bit north. But otherwise, the main focus is on Sitka black-tailed deer because they're the most sought-after game species in Alaska. And, of course, there's tons of ungulates to hunt in Alaska. You know, we have caribou and muskox and doll sheep, and it, it goes on and on. But in this area, especially along the coastline and even Kodiak, um, Sitka blacktail deer is kind of where it's at for, for the deer hunting.
1: The black-tailed deer that you're researching there in Alaska that we're going to run into in your neck of the woods How different are they size-wise or genetically from, say, the black-tailed deer in Northern California?
2: Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, quite a bit of difference. Um, I'm not, you know, that familiar with the black-tails in in California, but, you know, these adult females at at full weight, they'll be about 100 pounds, and, you know, bucks uh, could go from 120 to 150 with maybe some of the largest bucks, up in the alpine, the bucks tend to get uh, larger. We do have some alpine environments that some of the deer migrate up to and utilize in the summertime. And some of those bucks might go even as large as 180 or 200 pounds of the largest bucks. But a lot of the deer you see, you know, even bucks are maybe 120 pounds max, which is, a, mm-hmm. which is a pretty small deer. I mean, even when I hunted mule deer back in Montana, it was like a small elk. You know, you're getting up to... You know it's more of a standard size of 150 180 80 pounds or, or larger you know some of these big mule deer so they're a they're a very tiny little deer overall there's there's smaller deer in the world but um they are particularly small bodied deer which you know in some regard makes them a little easier to pack out when you get them but um, they are particularly tasty deer. I would I would say just with their mm. their rainforest diet and stuff. Uh, some of the most delicious deer meat I've had, really.
1: Oh wow, that's good to know. And that that uh, that's a big part of why I hunt, and uh, further piques my interest on a trip to uh, Alaska. Uh, so I could be knocking at your door one dark day up there, Dan. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> uh so
2: we have a long deer hunting season too which is one of the advantages if you're a if you're a resident we just get six deer tags you know because they are kind of small deer but they are are also very abundant so you get these six deer tags and then a lot of areas open august 1st and go all the way to the end of december so it's you know a, quite a long season i think montana was something like a five-week rifle season so you have Basically, months out here, you know, to hunt them up in the alpine, like in their when they have their velvet and stuff, and then you know you have the rut and a pretty long duration of season in most areas. There, there's some differences, but but yeah, just uh, excellent deer hunting, I would say, out here.
1: You're actually calling and capturing deer for research. We're going to call those deer in just a minute, but uh, tell me, just in a nutshell, uh, just a sample. What what do you do with these deer once you have captured them?
2: Yeah, well, you know, the main thing is, um, you know, we go to pretty great lakes, pretty great lengths just to take care of them, as far as applying, you know, medical oxygen and, and other care that they would need to make sure that they're taken care of well, and then and then we collar them. We have these uh, really nice modern GPS collars these days that get great uh, location data. And they also work remotely, which is kind of neat. Um, For a lot of the studies I've done, you would have to, you know, fly and constantly kind of be checking these VHF radio signals on the collars. But now with the satellite technology and stuff, I can just check on these animals from the morning from my desk, in the morning from my desk, and see if they're alive or not. And so the main thing is we're tracking their survival. And then we finally will – Recover the collar, and we've got a wealth of GPS data. Then you know thousands of locations over the year, and and so that's going into some other research that we're working on, just to collect that GPS data and then the and the survival data.
1: So you can literally sit there with your coffee, and no matter what these deer are up to, where they've gone, you can you can check you can check their livelihood. You can see how they're doing. Yeah,
2: even even get a location on them so the callers can communicate with the satellites. And so what they'll do is they'll upload one location to the satellites per day. We just kind of do that to save battery power. And so I can kind of keep track on them. Every once in a while we'll see, you know, a fairly big movement. I've seen, you know, 10, 15-mile movements before. Most of the time they don't move around a whole lot. These deer have a small home range think compared to other deer species but yeah we can we can do that kind of welfare check on them remotely and keep track of them and then also for retrieving the collar it makes it a lot easier because you just have a gps point to go to and in some of the more open types of habitat i've been able to just go up and find the collar even just based on that gps point instead of having to even you know worry about the telemetry equipment and so you know even for my master's project we were having to do a ton of telemetry to find these these dead elk calves and they didn't have any technology like that and so yeah it just makes it a lot easier and we save money not having to do a a bunch of extra flying just to track the deer like they had to do in some past studies so in some ways the life has got just a little bit easier for a wildlife biologist in that regard
1: that is just so very cool okay i promised this before but we're really going to do it when we come back this time Uh, we're going to talk about calling deer for research purposes okay perfect patriot mobile's kinder outdoors will be right back i stand for my brothers who can't stand anymore men who hunted terrorists to the ends of the earth, who sacrificed their bodies and their lives so that we could peacefully live ours. I stand for the children, the spouses and parents whose family made the ultimate sacrifice for us. We are all standing. We're the
4: National Rifle Association of America and we are freedom's safest place.
1: When you drop your wild game off at Cinnamon Creek Ranch Wild Game Processing, go ahead, order up your ground meat and breakfast sausage. But don't stop there. We
3: worked on a taco meat for three years to where women and kids would eat it, and a chili that we make now where you just take these things home and just throw them in a crock pot or fry them in a pan and they're ready to go. Our tamales are probably hands down to anyone's. They're double meat and, you know, Masa. And they're simple, and they're and they're we just can't make them fast enough. They're fully cooked. All you got to do is poke two or three holes in the bag that we give them to you in, and throw them in the microwave for three and a half minutes aside, and it's like we just pulled them out of our steamer the day we made them.
1: These items have become staples in our home. Robin's favorite is the taco meat. I'm partial to the tamales. And what a feast when we put it all together for friends and family. Cinnamon Creek Wild Game Processing, just north of Fort Worth, about a mile from Cabela's as the crow flies, cinnamoncreekranch.com. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder. If you offer goods or services to the outdoorsman or woman, Kinder Outdoors is the perfect place to spread the word. At Kinder Outdoors, we reach tens of thousands of hunters, anglers, and outdoors folks each week that would appreciate hearing about you. For more information, visit kinderoutdoors.com. And click the Advertise button. Then view our media kit. Outdoor gear and skills are in high demand right now. Let us hear from you.
7: Hi, I'm Jim Shockey, And it's time once again to invite you to our annual Jim Shockey Classic two-day charity event where we all get together to celebrate and honor those who have served and sacrificed. All of us deeply admire the invaluable sacrifices made by our military personnel. 100% of the proceeds fund all expense-paid shocky tribute hunts through the Freedom Hunters Military Outreach Program. In addition to the golf tournament, there will be a sporting clay tournament on Sunday morning before the banquet. So join me April 14th and 15th 2024 at the award-winning Barnsley Resort in Edersville, Georgia, nestled in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. Visit jimshockeyclassic.com to sponsor, to register, or to donate, and also to learn more about our great event. I really hope to see you there.
1: The Tournament by Ken Kirkaby. Get it on Amazon.
0: You're in good conservation company with Kender Outdoors. Presented to you by Patreon Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider.
1: Your whole family is going to love Joshua Creek Ranch. It's five-star lodging and dining in the beautiful Texas Hill Country with, oh, by the way, the best upland bird hunting on planet Earth. Check into a family membership and you can visit the ranch more often. Joshua Creek Ranch. Learn more at kinderoutdoors.com. Let's get back to our conversation now with Dan Ecker from Alaska Fish and Game. Thank you for your patience with me. I appreciate this.
2: Well, thank you for having me on. It's wonderful to talk with you.
1: Hey, let's talk about calling deer for research purposes. You actually call these deer into you and it's proven to be quite successful.
2: Yeah, it is. You know, it it's a very difficult capture out here just because we're we're dealing with a very, you know, thick rainforest canopy. In other states, a lot of times, you know, they're able to helicopter net gun them from air. You know, I know that's used in Texas quite a bit to to do their capture, and you just have a lot more open country to make that happen. But, you know, we're kind of at a disadvantage with that, and so we have to rely on the call. And so we we didn't come up, you know, with the the technique as far as, you know, the overall calling and capture. There was another study on – uh, Prince of Wales Island, where they used that successfully as well. And so we kind of borrowed, you know, what folks had already been, had seen success with. And it's basically using what is a, you know, a deer squeaker toy cut in half. So the plastic squeaker out of a, out of a dog toy, I mean, not a deer toy, but out of a dog toy can be used as a call by just kind of cutting it in half and blowing through it. It makes a pretty perfect fawn distress call. And so that fawn distress call we use that in late July and August and the DOEs really respond to it. We don't get the kind of response out of the bucks as we do the does, but the does really respond to it. And a lot of times they just come right into a safe darting range, you know, which is about, you know, fifteen, anywhere from sort of fifteen to twenty meters or so is an ideal safe darting range there's some variability about that but but yeah it's pretty incredible like i just i remember seeing this video of these two small children and i think it was for primo's calls that's kind of a you're probably familiar with them but that's like a you know kind of a more of a bigger commercial brand of calls and these two little kids are just sitting under the tree and they're just blowing this fondestress call and these these does even these these white-tailed deer just instinctively come into it. They have this sort of altruistic behavior where they'll, they'll even defend other does fawns and they just come right into it and they can't help it. It's just like instinctively they respond to it. And so that call just greatly improves our success. So we can just go in and we set up an area and, you know, we stay quiet for, you know, five, 10 minutes, and then we'll start calling and, you know, have a, just like you would hunting, you know, where you have your shooter set up in the shooting lane and you try to anticipate where they might come in and then you just you start uh wailing on the call. And uh it's surprising how often it works. But yeah, that's been a big part of the success. And so we just kinda replicated what what we knew worked already, you know, in the sense that folks had some calling success before
1: that is awesome our turkey hunters are sitting there saying yeah we do that in the fall uh by making a kiki run uh, let's, uh you know which is a a young turkey in distress looking for mama and uh, the hen a lot of time comes a lot of times comes comes running into that kiki uh-huh. call so very similar making making a distress call from the young one and the older one comes in now i would think dan that when a big brown bear hears that little fawn in distress that he might be interested in coming over to investigate too
2: <laughs> yeah that's a that's a good point you know
1: like,
2: <laughs> that's one thing that was you know we we definitely had some grizzly bears in in Montana but you just don't see them very often in the the woods. You know, people, people do have the encounters, but, you know, just about every season out here, I would run into a brown bear hunting in the woods when I was over in the Sitka area. But, yeah, I think during this time of season, you know, we have these incredible salmon runs out here, and during that time of the season, the bears are really focused in on the salmon, on the berries as well, the berry production. So the main period that they're that they're eating these deer fawns and focused on these deer fawns is basically, you know, about the f- first 30 or 40 days of a fawn's life. So they typically are born somewhere around June 1st, and then, you know, the bears are heavily focused on that when those fawns are very vulnerable, and then they get big enough to where, you know, it gets pretty difficult for a bear to, to run down one of those fawns and get close enough to them to ambush them or something like that. So they, you know, I kind of think bears are a bit lazy, um, (laughs) but they just, they go down to the salmon creeks and they're feeding on that. So, you know, we actually haven't called one in, Um, you know, like any place where there's sort of bears and predators around, you'd always want somebody else sort of watching your back and a couple of people there. But, yeah, surprisingly, we haven't had one predator coming to the call and I can only surmise that they're just sitting down on these creeks eating fish that time of season as we have, you know, pretty good king salmon runs are coming in and, in July and then the coho salmon um, start coming in August and then you've got pink salmon. So you've got just a variety of fish species and, you know, out here in Alaska when I was in Haynes a little farther north was the only time that I actually ever got to see bears feeding uh, feeding on fish before in the river. And I thought that was pretty incredible to just watch. And there's this great places you can go to just watch a brown bear just feed on fish. But, yeah, you'd think that it would draw some kind of predators in. Um, it's sort of, you know, it'll bring in some birds. That's what I've noticed. Some of the um, some of the bird species will come in and just kind of like mountain chickadee will respond to it. And Stellar's Jay, I've heard actually mimicking the call out in the woods, they huh. um you know they're just extremely good at mimicking calls as a as a corvid and they just uh, yeah you'll hear them making that little whiny deer call and um the calling is just a big part of the hunting out here too you know that that call i tend to think fades a little bit as the fawns in august you know they're starting to become more independent they hanging hanging farther away from mom and as you get into the fall i think that call has a little less effectiveness than it that it does it seems to fade a bit but i've still had luck even you know calling in does with it in uh the hunting season in the fall and you know we're typically after after bucks but sometimes you can blow that call a doe will come and then there'll be bucks following her um yeah otherwise the calling also is really exciting as anybody knows that's you know called in a deer to them and shot it. it's just wonderful when they can uh you know hunt you and you when you can just sit there and get set up well and and call them in there's just there's a feeling of excitement from that as you know some of these does are all fired up when they come in and their hair is standing up and they're they're coming in fast and there's just such a great variety of uh, behaviors that you see in response to the call. Um, so they all sort of have their their personalities. I kind of <clears throat> suspect that some of the does that lost their fawn earlier in the season might respond to it more than does that are, you know, she hmm. still has her two fawns, you know, she might not care as much about it, but yeah, they definitely react to it.
1: Wow. Just another day at the office for wildlife biologist dan ecker up in alaska (laughs) yeah it's kind of
2: like an early hunting season or something like that you know i it's got a lot of parallels to to hunting and um, gives you a little adrenaline rush you know like you get you get hunting at times too uh
1: dan you have not heard the last from me this is too interesting we're out of time but i'll be calling again one day my friend Well, sounds good, Billy. I sure appreciate it and hope things are good down in Texas for you today. Thanks, Dan. And I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the time we've had together in this camp house today, too. Come on back and see me next time around. Till then, may God bless you and your bunch.